0: You are listening to After Sunday, a Vintage Church NOLA podcast hosted by lead pastor Dustin Turner. After Sunday is focused on helping you live the gospel, serve the city, and be the church Monday through Saturday. Here is this week's episode.
1: Welcome to After Sunday. In the life of the church, Sundays are important, but not everything happens on Sunday. Life happens Monday through Saturday. So my hope is that this podcast inspires and equips you to live the gospel, serve the city, and be the church after Sunday. This week, I'm excited to be joined by Dr. Mark Johnson. He is the Assistant Professor of Evangelism and Pastoral Ministry at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. He's not only a professor, but he is also a pastor and a black Christian. So right now we're talking about this because we are in the middle of our latest teaching series going through the book of uh, Ephesians, calling this series Saints. And I recently preached a message from Ephesians chapter 2 on, uh, on one family and talked about uh, the significance of racial reconciliation in the church. This was a big deal for the early church, and obviously it's a big deal um, for us today. So as an outside voice, but also as a black Christian, I invited Dr. Johnson on to come and talk about this topic. So thanks for joining me.
0: Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. So let's
1: jump in. Yeah. Uh, as a black man, mm-hmm. what has been your experience with racial reconciliation in the church?
0: You know what? I, and I'll start with a, a collision course that I had as a kid. Okay. So I am a baby of the civil rights movement, Okay. which meant my father did the whole civil rights marching with grandpa and everything else. And I got bused from an all-black school to an all-white school. This wow. is in 1976, 77. Okay. So uh, when I did that and went through that experience, uh, something weird happened. My dad said, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in sight. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what he did to yeah. me before we left. Yeah. And so my whole biblical standard for for what that meant came from that song that my dad sung to me mm-hmm. right before I got on the bus to, to go on. So I made great friendships, great relationships. Yep. You I grew a, up in
1: the north. Too, I grew right? up in the we'll north. Talk yeah, about that just yeah, a yeah. Ago. This
0: was in Indiana, actually. This okay. was in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, one of the last schools, believe it or not, one of the last cities and you know uh, counties to to uh, to integrate schools. It's a weird thing. Hmm. Um, and so when we did that, uh, we had a great thing happen. When I got to school, I actually met friends. I had white friends. Like, okay. how strange is that, right? So something happened in the hallway a couple of weeks later. Uh, there's a race fight just a race fight that happens. And I'm walking with my white friends and some of my black friends and we're seeing this happen. And we dive in the middle and I start grabbing all my black friends. They start grabbing all their white friends. And then we found a way to bring everybody together. So it was one of those moments that kickstarted racial reconciliation for me because I had the biblical basis that others may not have had. And because I had that, it really made a difference for how my outlook on it as well. And that carried through with me uh, my entire life and so it starts there that was the origin of, of what we do now okay yeah
1: and what so mm-hmm. what has your journey been like teenager you yep. talked about that a little bit young adult
0: mm-hmm.
1: married adult yep. kids
0: yep it's just a lot of forgiveness I mean you're, you're preaching through Ephesians and so that's interesting because Paul you know he even jumped on Peter in Galatians 2 where yep. he starts talking to him a little bit about hey man watch yourself you're leading Barnabas how are you gonna leave Barnabas wrong you know that kind of thing yep And so uh, having that conversation throughout the journey of my life, being able to see how if you put God at the center of it, it really does change the conversation. Now, that sounds weird because we're trying to keep this. There's a leading of the conversation of the way it's supposed to go. And we're supposed to be sensitive to our needs. Yep, we're supposed to be sensitive to our brothers and sisters. But when you add Christ in there, particularly when you think about the resurrection now the conversation gets real interesting and really challenges your faith along the way. So on my journey of life, yes, I've had opportunities and and times, I won't say opportunities, times where police officers pulled me over, mm-hmm. I respected the officers, and things kept moving on. And so those moments happen over the course of time. But every time I think look at it through a biblical lens, it really does change change the outcome and perspective as well.
1: Okay. I think we're, the, the answer is obviously yes, but yeah. I'm going to ask the question sure. and hear your response to it. Yeah is there a biblical theological mandate for racial reconciliation (laughs) in the church?
0: If so, Mm -hmm. what is it? You know what? When I start thinking uh, biblically, theologically, and then practically, Mm -hmm. when you put those three elements together, first you start with the Bible and say, okay, there's something there to wrestle with. Okay, what are we doing with that? Particularly when you think about Jesus and the cross, like, that's huge. And so with that mandate, what is he actually saying when he's telling us to go make disciples in Matthew 28? Is sure. being picky about who we choose and those kind of things as well? So I think the big biblical mandate is when he says, go ye therefore, like go. He didn't say go with a certain flair or a certain yep. perspective. He tells us to go. And in telling us to go, he's really saying, okay, I'm leading the way uh, with the cross and the sacrifice and you've seen what I've done now you go do the same thing and i think that's the part where it gets real funny because we start hiding behind ideology start hiding behind uh what i feel start hiding behind those things and not lifting up the cross and allowing people no allowing people to see it in you so it can come out to others and so Those dynamics really get strange really fast, and so and that's biblically. So theologically, what do we do? You have to deal with the theology. Okay, we're talking about God. Well, you have to deal with Christology. What does that mean as it relates to racial reconciliation? Christ, ooh, that's interesting. Well, what about the soteriology? Now we're talking about salvation. Okay, so what does salvation have to do with that? Uh, okay, we gotta lean on that. Okay, now we have to look at anthropology. What about man, okay? Mm-hmm. Man's flawed, we failed, we made mistakes along the way. And we're seeing that really bubble up when we start talking about race. So I'll give you an example. So my church was an all African-American church. I came there as a pastor in 2009. The whole objective was to find out what convention would we join. They didn't didn't give a designation to their convention. Okay. All I wanted to do was just serve the community. So I went through the community and was just serving. I said, okay, we're going to go to this school and do that. Well, we need some partners. Let's call some churches. So I told my executive director, hey, let's get that phone book out. That's how old we are. Get the phone book out and start going through the alphabet and just start calling churches. So we started with Antioch. We got to Calvary Baptist Church. We got, we walked all the way through. And then we got to this thing called Cleveland Hope Association. I didn't know what Cleveland Hope was, never heard of it before, but I picked up the phone called a little white guy named Kevin Litchfield. He said, man, I'd love to partner with you, man. Let's do some things together. Man, we built this relationship, took off running. Four weeks later, he says, man, have you guys considered joining the Southern Baptist Convention? I was like, if this is what the Southern Baptist (laughs) Convention is at, let's go. I'm with it. He's like, and he he goes, you sure? I was like, wait, why would you say you're sure? (laughs) Like, I don't don't know much about the Southern Baptist Convention. (laughs) Yeah, he knows something I don't know that he left something. I said, man, if you guys are about the gospel and what you're doing, let's do it. Let's go. And so uh, then we sat down and had a conversation about the Southern Baptist Convention. And you know what? Then I heard this voice in my in my head that's saying, "Was the cross enough?" Hmm. And I said, "Okay, yeah. Did he die for that? Sure did. Let's go. Let's rock and roll." So we went to our team, went to the team, let everybody know, "Hey guys, Southern Baptist Convention, where we're going." Man, we had hundreds of people coming to our church this summer so we had a huge theater huge sanctuary we had 25 classrooms we had the whole gymnasium the five-star kitchen yeah so they were cycling in just cycling in hundreds you know we had a a group of 80 a group of 70 a group of 60 Uh, we got so intense that eventually we moved our local association into our church like we were entrenched in the southern baptist convention and so all this is 2010 2011 2012 and I keep hearing from, from different uh, ethnicities, blacks, whites, and those kind of things that, isn't that a racist organization? That's all I kept hearing. Every time I were introduced to someone who's trying to love them, isn't that a racist organization? I said, hmm, let's go find out. And so that's when I did my doctoral work, and I came to New Orleans Seminary, to study racial reconciliation in the Southern Baptist Convention. So we walked through this amazing journey of just analyzing, and I knew that I had to bring this to my church because sure. the doctorate of ministry is for the church. Yep. PhD, which I'm crazily working on now, is for the field. Yep. And so when we get there, and I, I say, okay, how am I going to present it to them? How how will they know? Yeah. They, they can't hear from a person. They can't... So I looked at the resolutions. I just stayed with the resolutions. I studied like 1,200 resolutions from 1845. I know it's crazy, right?
1: Yeah, most people don't understand how (laughs)
0: tedious (laughs) that is. So from
1: 1845
0: to 2017, I graduated in 2018 at the time, and I just analyzed them and studied, and I just pulled out any resolution that said anything about race, anything that had Mm -hmm. something with racial reconciliation, and I found 37. And so I took those 37, analyzed them, did my report, everything else, and brought it to our church. What we found out was not the question wasn't was wasn't uh, are they racist? The question is are we? Mm-hmm. It changed. It's like God did something and challenged our faith and made us say, "Are you racist?" And, and that's weird to say, but sure. because we had white missionaries in our church and they were serving, I watched our congregation watch them serve but not join them in the serving. Yeah. And so I said, mm-hmm. "What's going on? There's a layer missing. What's going on?" And as I moved closer. Many of them moved from the south to the north. Their, their parents brought them from the south to the north, and they were having memories. Uh, one lady said, hey, man, listen, uh, my my teacher was my uh, my teacher, not my principal. Her name is Ines Everett. My principal was lynched outside of our our, our school. Like, wow. I, we left for that reason. Yeah. And so those are some of the things we had to uncover and experience and walk through together as God was trying to, we were trying to figure out what yeah. God was doing. And we had to come back to Ephesians, and we had to come back to Galatians, in order to make the connection yeah. work. And it took a lot of hard work, but it was something that we needed to do.
1: Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, man,
0: that was a lot. Sorry about that. No, <laughs> I think it's super helpful to, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: to have a predominantly black church yeah. make a conscious decision mm-hmm. to join the Southern Baptist Convention yeah for
0: yeah.
1: all the reasons that you're able to demonstrate. And so I think right. that's pretty powerful. Yeah. So, and mm-hmm. And you talked about this a little bit, mm-hmm. but... Why is racial reconciliation so difficult, especially yeah. in the church?
0: Yeah. I, you know what? It's, it's, for me, it's going to sound weird because I'm, I'm coming from a perspective of, of love. Like, that's a huge per- sure. perspective for me. And when I start thinking about racial reconciliation, I kind of... I'm leaning towards liking it to salvation, where it has to be a conversion experience. Hmm. I, if it's just a decision... Oh, I'm no longer a racist. Like, right? That's, yep. that's easy. No, we're going to wrestle. Um, and I think God uses things like that. To be honest with you, I believe we're closer than we actually think. I believe, and the enemy knows that, and will put things in our pathway to distract us from the cross and to thinking about these yep. issues of, of race. So if we're closer than we think, why are we closer than we think? That's because God is on the move. Things are starting to happen in sure. the hearts and minds of people, and I can kind of sense... Um, There's a book out, uh, 30 Years uh, That Changed the World. Michael Green wrote that book on the book of Acts where he looked at those those, uh, first early Christians in the first 30 years of their journey. And one of the things that he mentioned in that book was the importance of unity. He stressed that as one of the markers for the early church. And because they were able to be unified, they were able to be effective for the kingdom of God. And I believe that that unity is one piece that is slowing down the effectiveness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sure. But if the church models it, if the church models it, then it gets real weird real fast because the enemy is now really afraid because we're starting to take over some territories because they will know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. Yep. And if the church gets it right, then we connect the dots in. And then before long, then people will see what it looks like to have true racial reconciliation that can only come through the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and not just a decision. You can't throw money to fix it. You can't uh, put leader, yeah. black leaders and white leaders together. It has to be a move of the Holy Spirit. And I say reaching back into the heart of God through the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross can really make a difference for racial reconciliation. And I get beat up for saying that all the time. Like I get launch, launch pass. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about believers yeah. who are saying, yeah, whatever, that's... Okay, that's the churchy answer. We already get that. But I'm saying, no, just go back into it. Just look historically at it and then look at your personal journey. And if you there's something in there where you your eyes are you love the Lord, but your eyes are like a little bit funny towards someone else, you need to check your faith at the door yeah. and see what's really going on. Yeah.
1: Well, what's interesting about all that, like the deeper yeah. I mm-hmm. the deeper I dig into the book of Ephesians, right, the more I see that. Hmm. Like, that's what yeah. that's that's all of Ephesians 2. Like, we love Ephesians 2 1 through 10. We love it, right? Like, oh, we're so lost, but God, yeah, yeah. right? And He's gonna do it. He's done, all, and for we're saved by grace through mm-hmm. faith. Mm-hmm. And then we want to, like, we just randomly, quickly read verses 11 through 22. And but that whole chapter is a single idea, right? And connected. it's connected it's connected yeah. and it's what you're saying is that the gospel the answer that Paul is saying like mm-hmm. the answer to reconciling Jew and Gentile yeah. is the gospel and Absolutely. i think the more i'm studying this the more i think we've underestimated uh how deeply entrenched mm-hmm. the, these two groups were like Jew and Gentile like I, I don't think i think we brush over it we're like oh they didn't like each other they figured it out real quick and then they were able to get along And I think when you read, like you've mentioned, you read Ephesians, you read Galatians, you quickly realize that this was a significant issue for the church. And Paul's answer and the book of Acts answer, right, the early church's answer was the gospel. And I think one other interesting thing that you mentioned that I think Paul seems to do is he talks about racial reconciliation in Ephesians 2, Mm -hmm. It's the, the gospel's the answer, right? Christ is the one that broke down the dividing wall, et cetera. And then how does he end the mm-hmm. book of Ephesians? Mm-hmm. On spiritual warfare. Yeah. So yeah. he's talking about, like, Sorry. the issue in the book of Ephesians is unity. The gospel's the answer. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> all of this is very spiritual, and you're going to have to put on the armor of God to defend, defend yourself. Yeah,
0: yeah. And that's, that's powerful. And I, and I will say too, because even when you think about number one, the, the church is getting together. And then of course the emperor kicked all the Jews out. So now mm-hmm. there's a church without the Jewish people. Then they're, Claudius kicks yep. them out. Then they're able to come back into the church. Now they got to read. And the, the answer that, that took them to get together, the answer when they were away and the answer that brought them back together was the same. It was the gospel of Jesus yeah. Christ. So there's no new pills that we can find. There's no amount of money that's going to connect the dots. Yeah. If, if it's the gospel, then it's going to be the gospel now. Yeah. yeah, awesome. But that's too simple. That's too simple for people. That you can't say the gospel. That come on. Yeah. That, that's it. That's all it is. We just need to love Jesus. Well, there's some people, and then you, they're going to excuses yeah. as to why it can't happen. But if we if we let the gospel lead the way, some amazing things can happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. I, no, no, no. I jump in from time to time. I think
1: it's I think it's great. So <laughs> so let's talk about this practically. Yeah. The gospel's the answer. Absolutely. So how have you seen racial reconciliation in the church done poorly? Mm. And then how have you seen it done well?
0: This is not fair, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Okay. 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 Here here's how it's done poorly. Poorly. It's been done in our own strength. Okay. Like it's poorly done. When you, like, I had about nine pastors come uh, because they're hearing about what was happening in Cleveland, this black church who's trying to do some things, and we're going to bring all of our leaders to your church, and we're going to have a great time, fellowship, worship, and everything else, and we sat down and had a conversation similar to what we're doing here, you know, after-service type thing, and we just talked about it. They said, you know, Pastor, we really want more African Americans in our church. I have a heart for racial reconciliation. I really want to do that, and I know what the answer is, and i was like, tell me, please, what's the answer? (laughs) We just need a black pastor who go, who's gonna join a line with us and we're gonna connect the dots. And I said, man, I hear your heart. Man, I hear your heart, man. I hear it loud and clear, but please do not put God in that box. Like, please don't think that it's you, you're gonna fix that solution with just getting a black pastor because you might get the wrong one, brother. <laughs> he might not be the one you want. So what are you looking for? And I, and I took them to an experience I had with uh, hiring youth uh, ministers. So oftentimes, the first round, it was like, we just need a young person who's going to come in and connect with the young people. Sure. Boom. And, and that didn't work out well. I said, let's go to God and see what happens. So I went to our congregation and said, hey, guys, we're, we're praying over someone who can lead ministry for the youth, blah, blah, blah. And this lady, she was in her 70s. She was in her 70s. She walked into the office. I think God's called me the youth. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at her, and I said, absolutely, let's, go, let's do it. Put her in place. Ministry took off. Wow. So what's the difference? The difference is, Lord, you send the person you want yeah. to transfer this thing. Don't let us pick it based on the, you know, the whole Samuel, First Samuel, sixteen, sure. where hey, this person looks the part. No, oh, yeah. God's not looking on on the outside. He's looking in the heart. And if we can find ways to, we do it poorly when we do it in our own strength because we're smart enough or we know exactly what we need. We do it the right way when we see God's presence happening. And that's what happened. So that was the bad way. The right way for me was, so we were having these missionaries come into our church and things were happening. We had about 60 missionaries. I think it's on our website. 60 missionaries uh, who brought a singing group to Cleveland. So they brought a singing group to Cleveland. They were singing for Sunday. Our church um, was surprised to see a whole lot of white people in the choir stand. (laughs) I'll just say that. (laughs) So you had these, uh, uh, the ladies had on blue shirts. It's on our website. The, the, uh, the guys had on yellow shirts, or yellow and blue, whatever it was. And so they divided in half, and, and I saw our, our members like, <laughs> 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 I know you can't see my face, but if you could, you would yeah. And the little, a little white girl, she looked like she would have been Amanda or Amy, whatever it was. She gets to the microphone, and she starts singing. Then her voice starts cracking. Then she starts crying, and she continues to sing. And I thought initially she was nervous because all these black people were looking at her. Yeah. <laughs> no, she was being filled with the Holy Spirit. The, mm-hmm. sp- the Spirit, after talking with her afterwards, she was being filled with the Holy Spirit because the song she was sung, uh, singing was something about greater things are still to be done in this city or something like that. Yep. And in, and when she broke down and crying, I looked to my left and I saw half this section in tears. And I looked to her right, half this section in tears. Long story short, the service was over and the service kept going for like an hour and a half where all these... You just saw a mix of white folks, black folks, Latinos, all hugging each other, embracing. This person trying to come over to my house for dinner. That person kind of go over to the house to dinner, and it all happened. It's done the right way when the spirit is involved. If the spirit is if the spirit is involved, how can you do it wrong? Right. Like if the spirit sure. of God and, and and so we see practically how you have to be able to come to the Lord with your own personal Bible study, your own personal time with the Lord, your own time. Then you bring that to the table as you're preparing yeah. to, to, to address this issue, this huge issue, and then God does the rest from there.
1: Okay. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. talking about racial reconciliation. Sure, absolutely. You were pastoring a predominantly black church, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a place mm-hmm. for homogenous churches mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. They all, they're all white or they're all black? Are those, mm-hmm. is that bad? Is that okay? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I think... I don't know. We we run into this danger that like, well, every church should have like every single race, every single ethnicity. So like, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, homogeneity. For me, I I think um, if you're talking about just skin tone, then you got a big problem there to think about. Now, every person that, well, I don't don't think there's a such thing as a homogenous church. Okay. Because everybody got issues and everybody has different issues. And so you got different people, different personalities, different things. Now, if you're just looking at skin, I get it. And sure. I understand what Dr. Martin Luther King says, the most segregated yep. day of the week is Sunday. Sunday. I get that. But for me, I'm all about what God is doing with that body of believers. Now, I've pastored four churches. I'm an interim pastor at FBC Kenner right now. Mm-hmm. And I've pastored black church, white church, and a mixed congregation. And the only reason why I pastored a black church at the time was because I was in a black community right sure. in the heart of cleveland pastor the white church because i was in a white community and right and i passed a multicultural church because i was in a multicultural community yeah. and i know we want to be intentional about that and i get that and i understand completely but when i think about space for that i think it just happens. now my problem comes in is if you're trying to stay that way like if you if there's an intent like you don't want anyone else in yeah then you have a problem but imagine you know it's it's just it is what yeah. it is for me for me but as long as you're not preventing someone from coming in, now I did pastor, uh, or I know pastors of churches where that was the case, and yeah. you know in sixties, seventies, those kind of things. Sure. I get that. Uh, but today, if they, if someone of another ethnicity wants to join a church and the church is trying to invite them in, praise the Lord. If they're not, yeah. then we got a problem. So yeah. that's that's my view on that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah.
1: Last question. Yeah, let's do it. When it comes to racial reconciliation, yeah. mm-hmm. what's your hope for the church? in new orleans
0: i'm hoping that we just get out the way and let god do his thing i really do i do hope that god that we would just say we're not going to put a chain on this and i'm going to simplify it i, I love the I, anytime jesus says my yoke is easy and burden is light i get excited that means if i'm feeling a bur- and i'm a believer i'm a believer in jesus christ and i'm feeling a burden not just a burden for racial reconciliation but a burden for anything yeah anytime i'm sensing a burden what is that me or is that god right is he Eh, and he says his yoke is easy and burden is light. So if I'm in weight, whether it's, you know, I'm pastoring and I'm, I'm worn down from pastoring. And it's this, oh man, it's getting heavy. Why is that? It, maybe I haven't switched. I cast my cares on him, take his yoke and put it on me. And now I'm a little bit lighter. And I think this racial issue can get heavy when we let it. But I think it's simple. I think with all the theories and all the things that's going around, we've made it more complicated than it has to be. But if we loosen up and trust God in Proverbs 3, 5, we're supposed to do three things. Trust the Lord with our heart, lean not to our own understanding, and in our ways acknowledge him. What is he supposed to do? Direct our path. And if we do our three part, he does his one part, man, we're in a good place and we're able to see the kingdom one because we've decided to relinquish all of our control, all of our thoughts in order to the one who's able to keep us from falling. So that's what I'm excited about. Okay. All right, my friend.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um in that we're probably making it's like you're saying we're making it too complicated and when we are overburdened it's probably because we're carrying that burden too much and not giving it to the lord
0: yeah
1: and just saying god you need to do what only you can do. Yeah.
0: So yeah, yeah. and it's freeing. And it's you'll be surprised. I mean, I think a lot about, you know, pastoring over these last what 28 years, 20 years in the pastorate, and all the people that I've had consultations with and met with, I found out once they loosened up, like there was a husband and wife going through something, something really hard and difficult, and they were challenged by it. I said, you know what you guys need to do? You need to go to the movies. Go to the movies and then come back and then tell me how you feel. They went to the movies, came back, and it was gone. Yeah. Like we make it so difficult. And God is saying, you know what, man, just follow my lead. I've already, I did the hard work already, guys. I, My son died on the cross. All you got to do is tell somebody and live it. That's all you got to do. And if we can keep it that simple, then the church will get light. The burdens get light lifted off the church. The burdens get lifted off the leaders. Then before you know it, the community feels the impact, and then they get light. And then the city, and then the state, and then the yeah, country. Yeah. And before you know it, everybody's walking around light. And we're loving each other like, like we're supposed to.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I think what you shared is, I think, not going to be just helpful for people, but I think it's just even helpful for me just to yeah. hear, kind of your perspective, and uh, no really creative answers, <laughs> right? That's what I'm saying. But I think right. it's just basic. Yeah, right. Like these things are pretty basic, actually. Um, so thank you so much uh, for thank joining you. me. So if much. Uh, if you're enjoying this content, I would encourage you to uh, join us on Sundays. 9 and 11 a.m. as we walk through the book of Ephesians. You can also find all of our series resources, including this podcast episode, at nola.vcmvmt.com saints. If you're enjoying After Sunday and you find it helpful, please subscribe and stay up to date. Leave a review, share it with your friends. My desire is that what I share with you here will equip and inspire you to live the gospel, serve the city, and be the church after Sunday.
0: Thanks for listening to After Sunday. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show, leave us a review, and share it with others. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Vintage Church, check out VintageChurchMovement.com.